I'm Dan Walters. And I'm Anthony Peters. This is the No Ideas Podcast. Welcome to episode two of the No Ideas Podcast. Today's guest is Matt Saul. Last month we went up to see Matt in his studio. Um, it was a four-hour drive from down here in Brighton. In the slowest hire car, known yeah. to man. So we left uh, super early, about sort of six in the morning. Up with the larks. We were up with the larks. Um, but we arrived there just before lunch. Matt took us to this little uh, uh, falafel spot. Yeah, right near the studio. Delicious which was, which falafel. Was absolutely was, amazing. There weren't enough falafels, though. Really. There, were, there, there were, weren't. There were three. I could have I done think, with five. I think we all ordered exactly the same thing as well, didn't we? We were just copying Matt because we were nervous. <laughs> Um, and he took us uh, to sit in this, uh, what is it, an ornamental garden? In... Yeah, that used to be a quarry, yeah. I think. And was uh, designed by Percy Thrower, nonetheless. None... And it's called the Dingle, which is yeah. a, a curious, curious name. Yeah. So, uh, so we sat in the sunshine, uh, and Matt told us the story of an a unexpected visitor from Africa, a heron that arrived last summer, so which had all the uh, bird watchers twitching. Which is quite fitting for yeah. the for the day's sort of proceedings and the conversations ahead, yeah. really. We went back to the studio after that. And yeah. then, yeah, the rest is as you're about to hear. Yeah, we had, we had a great little chat about um, everything from meditation to music to birds and even a few ghost stories thrown in as well. Enjoy the show. Matt Saul is an artist, keen ornithologist and author. He's exhibited in London, Tokyo, New York and Paris. His best-selling books, focusing on his love of nature and in particular birds, can be found in bookshops and museums worldwide. Working across many mediums, he's worked with the VNA, the National Trust, Heli Hansen, Puma, The Guardian, the RSPB and Levi's, to name a few. And if Wikipedia is to be believed, he's also spent time as a 6 foot 8 inch Canadian football player <laughs> playing for the Toronto Argonauts. <laughs> Um, we're really excited to have him on the podcast today. Welcome, Matt. Thanks. Well, thanks for the intro. Thanks for, it's thanks for coming up. Pleasure. Uh, have you ever checked that Wikipedia? I have, yeah. <laughs> I knew it was, yeah, I, the picture of the guy, he's got the biggest neck going, isn't he? Yeah. You've changed massive. a bit since then. Yeah, I've lost a bit of weight. <laughs> um, so we'll sort of start at the beginning, if that's cool. Uh, you grew up on a small holding in, is it Willington? Willington, yeah. County Durham. Yeah. What animals did you keep, and what are your earliest memories of nature and wildlife? Oh, we had chickens, um, sheep, goats, cows. Like always, like my dad used to like look after other people's animals. Like this thing, you know, like like where I grew up, you'd always see like horses tied to any patches of grass <laughs> wherever you'd go, and it's kind of something that I was just totally used to, and. Um, and when you get further down south, you realise, oh, where's all the horses at? <laughs> and uh, but then my dad would like have people's horses in, you know, and I think he'd do them for for favours of like doing work on the house or whatever, or maybe drug deals. I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we had all kinds of stuff, <laughs> you know. But I, I mean, I think my favourite was having goats. They were amazing. They yeah. were like really full-on characters, and uh, that would like get in the house. 
and like be on the, you'd walk in the kitchen and be on the on the dinner t- on the table just like eating your tea, <laughs> you know. And yeah, we had tumbler pigeons as well. If you think tumbler pigeons, no. like these t- like these pigeons have like really feathery legs, like flares, and they'd fly <laughs> up and then they'd fall from the sky, and then they'd do it. It's like part of their like courtship kind wow, of thing, but they just amazing. did it anyway. They flew like that, and um, yeah, we had them. But one of the uh, the Jack Russells. Jack Russell's got one of them, unfortunately, and I'm not sure what happened to the other one. So is it super rural? No, well, it's like an old, my old mining town, and like many places up there, you're just surrounded by fields, woodland, you know. And we were at the, like basically the foothills, to the dales, you know. So it's pretty wild, but um, and even though you know there's council estates and loads of houses and. Stuff like that. You just there's loads of woods and like we had a couple of fields, but you were in the like in the town, but we still had fields that were in tunnels, you know, with the beck used to go through and we used to just play in them and yeah, it was wicked. Like. It was on the east coast as well, was it? Well, no, it was a bit. It was a bit of a drive in. It's about half an hour from the coast and play like that. Um, but yeah, it's pretty. It was it's rural. <laughs> like yeah. when I see it now, I I never used to think of it as being rural, but now when I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like a hamlet in the yeah. in the hills or anything. It's a proper. Was it like a working small holding then? No, well, no. Like my dad worked in Durham. Is he like an animal hoarder then? Was that the? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. He used to work. We have to used to have to look after them. But uh, yeah, you know, I used to like have my own flock of sheep. You know, <laughs> well, there's only like four or five of them. But you know, I'd be out. You know, lambing and stuff like that in the winter in the snow and then I have to go to school and I was only like 10 or something like that and it's pretty like they die and stuff yeah. you know it's quite yeah. full on but it made like I look back and think wow like that's pretty like cool thing to do but and I'd love that for my kids but how are you going to do that in the town you know it's really difficult to do that it's quite unusual to have that access to animals like to yeah. be like a shepherd, basically, at 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty unusual. Yeah, I mean, you didn't have to do much. You just have to, like, chase the dogs out of the field, <laughs> you know, with a stick. <laughs> or, you know, feed them. Like, my dad used to work in, like, Madison's. I don't know if you remember Madison's. They used to make pepperonis and all that. He used to come oh, back with yeah, trailers yeah, yeah. full of cabbage that I used to make coleslaw. And I used to just, that was my job, just shoveling cabbage. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, I can't believe you're a shepherd. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? So what was and what was family life like then growing up in the in the northeast? Yeah, we were. Uh, I think it was a good life, really. I think what I remember of it, you know, like I got an older sister. We used to take the mick out of her a lot. <laughs> Bless her, you know, she's still pretty gullible as our Emma. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was. I, yeah, it was. I like like my mum. She was never. She was quite. She is like. She's a really good artist. You know, and she always pushed me to be doing arty things, and um, always, you know, I was always drawing as well as being out playing outside, especially in the summer. Like my, like I just remember that summers, like playing in fields, coming back arms cooked to shreds mm-hmm. from the hay bales, yeah. and all that kind of like being up, you know, being up the wood, like in the beck and making camps, you know, all that proper like I don't know feels. We lived near a forest, so we were right. always up up the woods. Yeah, just all day every day just like hanging around the woods or near the sea your mum was a painter was she or she did all kinds of stuff she didn't never as you know she'd never she just did it on the side you know she could have easily been 
done anything, I think, personally, but she does loads of pastels and paintings and drawings and stuff. And uh, I was always kind of surrounded a bit by her materials and I'd have a go and she'd try and get me to do other stuff. And so the nature and the art was all there. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and like, in talking about like, where we lived, it was, there was woods either side of, of it, basically. And our, our like, little farm was kind of like in the middle, it's a couple of streets between it, but I used to think that like, birds would go from one wood to the other wood, so you'd they'd, like, almost like be calling through. I used to think anyway, (laughs) and we had swallows. I think that was like a real that would be nesting like above um, the back door, and that was like that's a real, real like early memory of just having the swallows coming in and out, and then my dad putting like the ladder up by the nest and just like looking in and seeing the little mouse. You know, I saw some house martins recently when I was out with my son, and those are incredible too. Yeah, can you tell me how do you tell the difference between um, swallows and swifts? The swifts. Are like you know they've got a the tail like a like a chip fork. Okay. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Little stuff, and then the swallows got the long, the long tails. The males swallows have their long. Okay. And the females aren't quite as long, but it's the the proper like long V. Kind I've been of. calling them the wrong thing. It's swift so to long. the high. You know, the <laughs> screechy ones. Yeah. And then the swallows are the nice sing-songy. You know. They've got a similar flying pattern, haven't they? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, the the um, swifts do these big arcs and you know. Tie fighters, you know, Star Wars, and my wife calls them. Um, so while we were researching for today, we found an amazing childhood picture that you did of a goldfinch. Oh yeah. Um, just wondering what your earliest like kind of creative memories were, like drawing as a kid or. Yeah, well that that was from, I use that in my talks as like a kind of a, I was being drawn birds for a long time because I used to be obsessed with that book up there, <laughs> the Reader's Digest Birds of Britain. Oh, right. Loads of people and know because. It's from a set, yeah. like mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. Like, I had that when I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. Like it was in like so many houses. I think you used to collect tokens, probably out the Daily Mail, yeah. <laughs> you know, something <laughs> like that. And um, and I used to be obsessed with that book. And I used to get me like mum and dad to like to uh, you know test me on it, like what's this bird and all yeah. that. And I used to just copy the birds from that. And that's a really like from young is like the thing I mainly remember is like trying to draw birds from that. And what kind of inspired you to pursue like a career in in art and painting? Uh, I think not wanting to have a proper job. I think I like the the thought of not. I even from like a really early age is like this is fun. Yeah. You know, and this is good. and I want to carry on like just still. I still get a buzz from it. You know, and it's that that thing you like. I've always got a buzz from creating. Yeah. Something. I get the same. Yeah. Like, I know it. Yeah. What would the job prospects have been then if you hadn't become an illustrator or artist locally? Oh, locally, uh, factories and stuff like that, really. Yeah, so. um, you know, it's... Or a shepherd. You could... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at that. I don't know how good I was at it. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was always pretty keen to, to see the world a bit, you know, of like, not that I just wanted to do a bit more, I suppose, then what was on offer at home. Um, there's still plenty of print you can do. It's still the same as any, you know, Newcastle, and that's nearby, and that's got loads of stuff going on. And um, But, yeah, God knows what... I've never even really thought about what else I would be doing if it wasn't for drawing, I suppose. Aside from your mum, did you have any teachers who were quite inspiring? Yeah, it was an art teacher, like, from doing... in uh, Secondary school, my art teacher was probably, like... Uh, Mr. Culkin, he took me under his wing and was like, 
Nice come and do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I got into like a bit of bother with some boys kind of thing and like ended up spending my lunch breaks in the uh, art department and um, and he would just be like, oh, just do this and do that. And I was like kind of getting into graffiti at the time and I was, you know, like the lads did and I'd, not that I would be doing it, but like trying to draw it. And he would say, how about you make that out of glass bottles and put it in the kiln? And you're like, what? Like, <laughs> right. And it was just like, this is mad. Like, and, and I like, he showed it could be fun. You know, yeah, he didn't. Yeah. And I always really remember, because there's, I don't know if you can remember at school, like how lots of people would be like good copiers. Yeah. And you know, those good, good copiers are probably never artists now. You know, they could just like, there was tend to be a lot of girls that were really good copiers. And I remember in the class, somebody said, oh, so who's the best artist? And he said, oh, Matt. And he was like, what? And he was because he tries different stuff. And I really was like, what? And everyone's thinking, oh, it's going to be this girl. Or da, 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 you know, for, yeah, like the best drawer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was really, that always stuck with me. And I've always been really... Big difference between a good drawer and, a, and an artist, really. Yeah, like just being creative, I suppose. I think that yeah, put a bit of wind in your sails. Yeah, I think it did, actually. Yeah, it definitely got me, got me going, got me thinking about being and you know using the art and so because i used to be really into films and animation and i think i think when i was doing uh work experience it was trying to like get me with cameramen and stuff you know like that it didn't really work uh you know but it was and then i went to carry on to do trying to do animations yeah which is an our next question actually is about um you studied animation in ipswich right yeah yeah it was kind of a funny course of doing loads of different things and the animation didn't actually start to the second year. And by that point, I was made myself ill by raving too much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but yeah, it's just, I just, when I eventually got to the anime, I, I used to love designing everything, doing these characters and designing the backdrops and doing the storyboards and so forth. When I got to the actual animation, I was just, oh, I hated it. It's a laborious it, process, isn't it? It really is. Stop motion <laughs> yeah. as well, it would have been. Yeah, it was yeah. all stop motion. Did model and drawing and cutouts. And and I teacher, Jeff, was brilliant. Really, like, nicest tutor on the course. And still in touch. He's a really nice dude. And, um, uh, but yeah, it wasn't the path that I wanted to follow, really. Was there, sorry, it's a slight aside, but was there quite a lot of raving to be done in Ipswich? It was, actually. There was a really big free party scene. Amazing. <laughs> in the, in the, like, down in Essex and further up into, uh, like, Norfolk and, like, kind of Suffolk, Norfolk kind of area. And I tell you, the amount of people who I've met, especially in Brighton, who used to go to the same parties, like, literally... <laughs> Is that we used to, and we used to go to. It's not far from London as well, so mm. we always go down to London. And yeah, it's like go what out. forty-five minute yeah. train journey. It's, yeah, or driving. You know, it's not not far. So, yeah, the mid nineties was fun. It certainly was. <laughs> um, so then, after Ipswich, you moved on to illustration and street art. How did that mm. transaction happen? Uh, it was a. I didn't really like we left I think we all kind of like me and a lot of my mates kind of left that course and we we're just like what the hell are we doing I like, didn't we weren't set up for anything and it feels like there wasn't any real didn't really I didn't even even though I did like illustration at the at, on the course it didn't feel like you were set up we didn't do anything like editorial or anything like that you just I oh, just go and illustrate the wind or something you know and you just it's a bit too fine arty really and um yeah and then kind of just f fell into 
thinking, all oh, right, there's pictures in magazines. I didn't even put that two and two together, you know. And then I uh, eventually got got a laptop, I think, or a computer around 1999, I think. And then, yeah, got in touch with the big issue and a uh, magazine called Level Magazine. I don't know if you remember that. Really cool, like, magazine anyway and uh <laughs> yeah and they they give me my first little jobs basically just doing little spot illustrations and Amazing. stuff and and then like went for it from there really so it started with those and then moved on to sort of more street art and oh yeah right and so yeah and then i moved to brighton in uh 2000 and and i'd done bits and pieces of graffiti during the 90s but I could never ever call myself a graffiti artist, but you know, I used to go out tagging a bit and stuff like that. And but then when I and I was always loved it, and you know, bought magazines and that. And everything, but it was like going to Brighton, you know, because we used to go down there anywhere visiting. <clears throat> and then we and it was just bombed, and it was just. And then I found like a couple of halls of fame, and I was like, what? This place is amazing. I was really inspired by it, and was. Uh, like right, I'm gonna learn how to do it basically, and then and that kind of the kind of street art thing kicked off at the same time as me like being bad at graffiti and concentrating <laughs> on painting characters really. Can you remember your first mural? Was that in Brighton? I painted. I've done stuff before, right. like little pieces and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely the first times I painting like. What this the stuff I'm like known for mm. from around that time is definitely in Brighton, carry like girls and stuff like them foxes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Foxes was like the main thing that I did in Brighton, I think. Do you remember the first sort of mural the first time? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because no, it was a lot. I did, a, we did, a, I did a lot, and it was a lot of crap. You know, it, it was probably. It's kind of like I was like quite a few years older than a lot of the lads who would see around starting at that time because it is just like a younger man's game, you know. And it was like really just starting from scratch, even though I was like 22, 23, whatever. Um, was any of it sort of illegal stuff? Not illegal. Illegal. Like oh, yeah, there's lots of it. Yeah. 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 Or, <laughs> or mainly in like. Ill- Places, they're just derelict places, you know. So it's not, it's hardly like you're going to get done for anything. But yeah, it did quite a bit of illegal stuff, I suppose. Which is... I'm sure we can keep that in the, yeah. in the, in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to be knocking at the door. No. Um, so in 2007, you had a working road trip around Southeast Asia and Australia. Yeah. Um, you often mentioned that this rekindled your love for birds um, after being bought an Australian bird book. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about this book and have you still got it? Yeah, of course, yeah. No, I did, even though, like, like my mate Tomo, a really good mate of mine, who recently went to India with, um, he got me the book because all my, all my mates know that I'm, like, mad on birds and, yeah. like, nature and stuff, and he got me the book because he, he'd been years before and he was like, oh, mate, it's amazing for birds. So he got me the book and literally on our... Leaving party in Brighton, it was carnage, and and I put it on the table. It just got covered in booze. So the first <laughs> quarter of it stuck together and ripped and stuff like that, you know. But I still took it with me, and um, yeah, and it's kind of like when we got to uh, well, we went to Australia. It's a bit of a I was kind of sick of doing what I was doing at the time. Really commercial illustration. I was trying to do my own artwork, which wasn't working. I didn't like it. 
uh, Jess, uh, my wife now, but you know, girlfriend at the time, she was nursing and was like, you know, we can go to Australia, I can nurse, you can do your thing over there, and we just like, you know, it's quite nerve wracking at the time because we didn't know, we didn't even get a return flight, which right. is ridiculous because it was free compared to having to pay whatever we had to pay to get back. Because <laughs> right. um, it was like, well, let's just see what happens, you know. But um, yeah, so I, I did bits of uh, freelance stuff from back here, which paid well for when you're traveling around. And yeah, I just kind of all I was doing was. Uh, bird watching and doing bits of graffiti basically just bits of street art kind of stuff and Sounds good. yeah and, and that's and it really yeah I kind of that's I think where the kind of genesis of working on you know, f- focusing my artwork around birds uh, really came from because it um, started get, really getting into the, like that identification and like saying how colors are right in the mm. right places and it can be simple as anything but still work and yeah because i was drawn drawing birds when i was in australia and it yeah that's where it kind of came from really how long were you away for total uh 14 months i think it was yeah could have been longer could have been a lot shorter as well actually <laughs> but you know do you dream of going back or yeah it'd be nice i'd like to go back and um see my mates over there still got some good friends and um, and just to take the kids as well to do that, but it's really expensive now. It's a isn't long it? flight too, as well. It's a really long flight as well. Um, but yeah, I think there's other places where I'd go before going back. Where did you go in Southeast Asia? Oh, I was really just Thailand and Laos and was those short trips Malaysia. from Australia. Or? No, no, just like went to Singapore and then had a bit of time there traveling around a bit just having a holiday and, that, and then and then on the way back as well did a similar thing like did a like a week long detox <laughs> where I didn't eat any food for seven seven days yeah it was insane I looked like a wreck mum dad couldn't believe it when I got back was that one of those um, controlled detoxes where each day you add something new in no it was literally nothing wow. it was controlled we were in a, it was in like a yeah. like a retreat kind of a place but, but yeah, it was just it was water like, and yeah. yeah. Oh, you yeah, like they'd make us like vegetable soup, but then take all the vegetables out, and then you just drink the stock. <laughs> While they'd be like making like really nice Thai food, in like like chicken and whatever and all the spices, and you just like ah. Yeah, <laughs> it was insane. It was insane. And then afterwards, I had like I remember going to it's called Bottle Beach, and I and it was one night. I think it was must have been like half a week later, and I just had like real crazy visions and like yeah real out there experience from fasting for so long wow yeah it was crazy do you remember what the first thing you ate after fasting was yeah pete this pizza it was amazing (laughs) (laughs) handmade like pete yeah took us to this place and said you're gonna love this and oh my god it was so good (laughs) so you're okay to go to pizza and bread because i've never really done fasting but you're alright to just move into something that's quite I think that was like a day so I think uh, okay. you had like one yeah. day of maybe having something else like, just something light yeah. and then they were like yeah have a pizza and a beer and it was like, oh my <laughs> god it was so good yeah uh, okay so then when you returned home you had an exhibition at Durham Cathedral called Home Fires and Deep Dales oh yeah forgot about that um, and you'd come full circle really What what kind of work was in the show uh, I'm trying to think if that was before or after we went to a car. Remember? Um, yeah, no, that was that was like big canvases. 
Yeah, it was a really, I can't remember how it came about, but yeah, I got asked, is this uh, the DLI, which is big museum kind of thing, just, just outside of Durham City, but in Durham. And yeah, it's, these canvases based on uh, different areas in the North East, especially stuff, play areas that from my childhood, um, High Force and Bolly Hope, which is this crazy like Hobbit kind of, it's like an old lead mill up in the lead mine and it's just got all these humps and it's really magical place. I'm surprised it hasn't, it's been, you've seen it in a few uh, crime, northern crime mm. things on ITV, whatever, in the adverts, but I can see it'd be a really good location, really. Uh, but yeah, places like that, really. Amazing. So sort yeah. of, sort of um, a, a love letter, so to speak, to little areas that you've grown yeah. up around. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and with it being so localised, being in Durham, you know, that I was hoping people you know, because, you know, might know it. And there's like, a, there's, and there's like this tree that's in one of the woods where I grew up at, you know, next to which, oh, this massive beech tree with all of its roots showing where the hillside's falling away. I painted that and people, people know the know that tree, you know, have photos of it themselves. Even though it's in this just little wood in Wellington, you know. So there's a tree still there? Yeah, it's still there, still going, yeah. yeah. More roots showing. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Thanks so much to everyone for all your messages and for getting in contact. Tell us how much you've enjoyed the shows. Really helps us to get found more easily on iTunes if you leave reviews or if you subscribe. So if you enjoy the show, let us know. If you visit our website, noideaspodcast.co.uk, you'll find everything that we reference during the episodes. Now, back to the show. So I think the first time I like saw your birds was your project with the V&A, the wooden birds. Was that kind of the first major project that you did that was kind of bird Yeah, related? I think probably was actually. Um, I'd, that's why, because that project was like, I used to make wooden birds and uh, I would, that was when I kind of like simplified what, you know, blue tit looked like, what a goldfinch. So just into these block colours and... Um, and I used to want, you know, I wanted to sell them and every, you know, like kind of little uh, Scandi looking kind of things. Right. And uh, the Vena saw him and yeah, and like commissioned me to do a set based on their collection. So, and so it was great. I mean, I got to look through loads of old books and it's uh, Eliza Alban, who is my favourite illust- bird illustrator. Yeah, so that was, yeah, it kind of, I think that was when it really, the ball started okay. to roll from there. And then um, and then, then I think that's when the RSPB as well had seen some stuff as well. And, uh, yeah, it started to gather momentum then, really. Yeah. Was that when you knew that you were, did you know that you were then going to start sort of, like birds were going to be a core focus? Yeah, well, it was, I think... It was this thing, like, I got back from travelling and I literally had to start again because it had been the credit crunch and 
all of that kind of stuff it was all happening when we were away yeah and i was like yeah whatever like we're in like a hut in thailand just you know living it up and oh well just having like a great time it's just everyone's like oh it's horrible back here don't come back and da, da, da. but we did get homesick you know even like laughing about it it's like watching like the office on dvd and you know like the roundabout to slough yeah that even made us homesick <laughs> you know like after 14 months it was that kind of like ridiculous and then it got back and yeah and and it was yeah literally like i said i had and because i'd been a bit like oh i'm not coming back i'd like said goodbye to a lot of clients a lot of like the bread and butter stuff that i didn't really like doing for like magazines like women's magazines and stuff like that yeah i didn't have but that stuff keeps you alive didn't yeah. it, you know and um so i didn't have any of that and it was i mean i so i'd be trying to get commercial work but at the same time just be like right well i'll just do these birds i'll make these wooden birds and i'll sell them and i'll paint them and i can do that while i'm working on illustrations at the same time um but i always had this feeling like this is right you know this is what i wanted to do and um because i felt i think before that i didn't have any heart in the work i was doing and then like with the birds because I've been a bird watching since I was little and had all these thoughts about them and like their characters and that I knew I could get more f from it and it's like coming it was really it was like 100% genuine as well so I think that was like the main like felt like if I was going to do anything with any long longevity that yeah you just felt honest didn't you? You yeah just exactly knew that it, yeah yeah and and like when we were weird, got into like meditation and the yoga and stuff like that, and it kind of clears your thoughts a bit and makes you can see things a bit clearer. And then uh, yeah, and then having kids as well. So I'd I'd draw me my first child, and she in that I think that definitely like so one of my favourite artists, Eco. I don't know if you know Eco. See his stuff up there. He's a guy from Hull in okay. Bristol, kind of thing. He's like remember he's a friend as well and chatting to him when um, Jess was expecting he was like the thing when you having kids is that it just makes you like realise how selfish you are being an artist and that you do all this stuff just because you want to do it and it makes you like <clears throat> be able to sort out the wheat from the chaff of like the work like you know this is important it, it's good and it'll feed the family you know so it was almost like yeah so I always kind of had that in mind and I always felt like that was the way to go but even though we, I was totally skint you know so what what year was your first born 2010 okay so that was a sort of a turning point yeah and and in a sense it was a starting again because it was we like living in Brighton and was I was brassic and yeah had to like return back to the northeast all of us like me and Jess and uh, Romy, you know, I live on my parents' gaff for six months. Well, you know, it was one of those things of like either I've got to get a job or make this work. And Jess was really behind me. He was like, oh, I think you can, you should, you should do it. And it, you know, it was really hard. It was a really hard time. And um, but yeah, that was like the year dot around then. The work with birds is this what caught the attention of music industry legend uh, Jeff Barrett? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, no, it's a really nice link up. Um, so, my friend Tomo, who I was saying who got me the bird book, the Australian bird mm -hmm. book, he um, he's like, 
web developer and stuff like makes I don't know if he is that or what, but he making websites and we did a um we did a site together called the Wooden Branch and it was about people's favourite trees and we would get people to like send in pictures of the favourite trees with the story and I did a really nice little uh, logo for it and Jeff saw that logo and they had caught by the river going for six months or a year or something like that and got me on board to uh to do a logo for them. Um, yeah, and that's how that started. Wooden Branch kind of finished because social media yeah. kind of got big and then that was the end of that, so that couldn't, unfortunately, but the relationship with Jeff and Cobb by the River started then, basically. So I did them a logo and I think when you meet someone like Jeff and he's just like an amazing, he just gets things done, yeah. but in such a good way, I was like, I'm not, I mean, the thing like when you're, freelancer you, you is you know very well you just if you get an opportunity you grab it and yeah. you yeah, keep yeah, hold yeah, of yeah, it yeah. don't you and you're like right Jeff's wicked we get on really well and he was just like what what else can I do for you and he was just like in the caught by the river at the time even though now it's this big cultural well, a lot of it's about nature right now I suppose but at the time it was mainly about fishing and I was like I don't really like fishing or fish don't know anything about it he's like well what, what are you into I was like I just really like birds he was just like well let's just Paint is your favourite bird, and we call it Matt's Bird of the Week. We put it online, and that's it. And it was like literally from then, and like I sat down. This is when I was, we were up at in in uh, Wellington, and I remember sat at the desk and was like, right, I'm gonna draw a blue ticks. Blue ticks are wicked. I've always really like right from living in Brighton. I remember walking back from this job I had, um, in <laughs> I worked in forensics. <laughs> in Brighton uh, police you got to take as well. <laughs> we'll come back to the blue yeah, <laughs> but no I did I, I like one job like admin but it was basically inputting uh, your swabs so like numbers like the date entries for the swabs and I was up at Blight and I, I tell you what I bet there must have been a crime with because, and nobody got caught because I'm really like all over the shop with my typing anyone's got an email from me you can see and you know so but yeah i remember coming back from that job and seeing the blue tit and just being like oh my god look at that like properly like look at the blue it's blue man and like look how it went in the and i would i'd often draw birds and kind of think ah oh, just do it a bit like that and that that's supposed to be and it's like no i give it a bit more respect and i learned how to draw a blue tit you know and then it became bit of a logo years years back like from 2003 2004 kind of thing and um and then it was like so yeah so i was like well i'm gonna paint my favorite bird so i sat down to do do a blue tit and i was just looking around what i've got on the table and there was a set of watercolors that my sister got me to go traveling with but i'll do that didn't think that it would go on <laughs> to like what it's turned into and yeah and just simply so I painted the blue tit in which is the first page of the first book as well and um i did it oh, it doesn't really sum up how much i love a blue tit so i wrote like a, just a really simple little sentence and i sent that along and then then i did uh probably a goldfinch and then wrote a bit more and did a wren and probably wrote a little bit more and then was like oh, this could be a book and then jeff saw was like oh my this is brilliant this can be a book so brilliant and then jeff was on the case yeah and then it was from then. I mean, it was a bit of an up and down story with different publishers and stuff like that. But then eventually, got the foot in the door with my agent Simon, who he'd worked with um, with Jeff and the Cod by the River guys doing their books that they've done. And um, 
yeah and i'm still with simon now I'm 10 books in whatever but uh yeah it was and it was it's like literally started from like a simple blog post you know and that was it's been going strong since really yeah absolutely i mean from that one moment onwards i mean you probably didn't even realize no from that no i mean like the first book honestly i got the contract through and uh there's a bit I remember I really went through the contract I never <laughs> never do but I was like looking through the contract like just saying oh how can this fall back on me and they were getting like 5,000 printed up and I thought they're never going to sell these this is ridiculous and there was a bit in the contract that said you can buy it back before it gets pulped you can buy it back and I thought well at least I can buy it back and sell it myself and make some money you know and um, because I just thought I saw it more as like an art bit of an art project yeah, yeah. but it was totally the Ebreeze totally saw it as a gift thing but they treated it as a nice product you know but it was yeah it just took off in that in that thing and like, we had a a book launch in Rough Trade East and they didn't have any books they'd sold out and they couldn't get any of the um, <laughs> of the publishers because they'd sold out of that first run Amazing. literally just went instantly you know it was like Whoa, holy shit <laughs> yeah, this is good yeah. so what so then you you would just went on to do like other books off the back of that or? yeah so there was a bit yeah i have to admit there was a bit of a there was a bit of a stretch before the second book um and as well it takes yeah so it took a while to be like properly earning from it as well because you're you have to pay through the advance which was meager anyway you know and a lot of books being sold in Amazon on heavy discount. I'm literally making pennies, like literally, you know. But whatever, the bigger picture is it's out there, and um, so it did. It took. It did take a while, and I was literally before I did the second book, I was about to do a graphic design course in Manchester, literally, and it was starting like second or third of January, and th- me, my wife, and Romy were got swine flu. And I was bedridden, and I missed, the, and I couldn't go to Manchester, and uh, but then started the second book, and then got involved with other stuff as well, and um, it kind of that's when it really like it, it was like yeah, it was that gap of a bit like oh god, it's, it's coming from this, but yeah, and then really started pushing it. So like, it's quite serendipitous that you got the swine yeah, flu. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a killer, but it was uh, yeah, very serendipitous. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so Caught by the River gave you a platform to indulge your love of birds um, and since then you've been running spotting and jotting workshops yeah um, various festivals uh, including Forest Gather where I met you last yeah last year um, can you tell us a bit about your workshops and uh, like your relationships with in, in particular Forest yeah no I mean, it's it's a funny thing really kind of that bit of doing the the book promotion which I'm starting to do now for the dinosaurs book uh, children's book I had a uh, um, it's like with the music festivals because Cod by the River they always have like areas and different uh, festivals and they've got lots of things and pies and like Glastonbury and so and um, they'd like invite me along to do stuff and I kind of d- developed this way which is the Spot and, J- Spot and Jotting Club of how to draw birds really simply and you make your own book just folded paper basically and you can draw like 20 birds in like got one I made one last, last exactly night. in half an hour kind of and and it works really well it's one of those things of I've like done it 
uh, I think the last green, no, second to last green man was, it was like a, a tent of 800 people and it was beyond capacity. I mean, it, it was absolutely pissing it down. Were you mic'd up? <clears throat> yeah, mic'd Oh, yeah, so it was just me standing there <laughs> with a little, with a, a, a flip chart, whatever, drawing birds, literally like, yeah, uh, it's bonkers. <laughs> but in But the thing is though, and like, I do find myself in these situations like, what the hell? Like, I'm, what the, I'm normally in this room here by myself. The dog normally just, you know, you know, it's a pretty solitary life, isn't it? Yeah. Being a, a, you know, illustrator, artist kind of thing. And yeah, and then I'd find myself in these places and just be like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? but <laughs> do you ever then, get nervous before they start? Yeah, oh God, yeah. But the, 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 the one, there was, I think, the first Glastonbury that I did, and this is area called the... Um, Crow's Nest. It's beautiful, really nice place on, it's the, up on the, the hill, park yeah. on the hill. And I was booked to do three sessions. I think it was twenty minutes each. And um, and then the first day we went, and it was uh, there was like ten people there. Did it? It was like, oh, this is lovely. And it was my birthday, and so I went <laughs> out. You know, Glastonbury. What are you gonna do? You know. And I thought, oh, tomorrow's Saturday. Nobody's going to be there because it's Saturday. Everyone's going to be like, oh, like still raving or whatever, <laughs> you know. And then I was kind of like, had a really heavy night, and I was coming up the hill in the morning, beautiful sunny day, just feeling really terrible. And I looked up at the tent, and it was throng of people <laughs> around it. And I was just like, what is going on here? And then I got to the airboard that Pete Fowler had written out, like he does every year, and it was um, there was me. Um, uh, just before Sean Keaveney interviewing Professor Brian Cox, who had a unannounced, but everybody knew, special guest of Matt Smith, who was, you know, just finished being Doctor Who at the time. So this place was just thick with people, and I had to go out there in a right state. Like, just like, just this, like, draw birds for people, because there wasn't enough paper to hand out, you know, and it was. I was so nervous, I, I just couldn't, like, my body hurt. Like, and afterwards as well, it took me so long to come down from that. But the thing is, it's always like, like, Jess always says, like, look, you did that, you can do whatever, yeah. you know, because that was, like, one of the most weirdest situations to be in. And everyone, like, especially with Brian Cox, because there's all these weird women that love him, like, <laughs> passing, <laughs> passing notes through the Harris Finch and going, like, Brian Cox, Brian Cox. <laughs> 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 Oh. Uh, um, you mentioned Pete Fowler a, a second ago. Are mm. you and he friends or? Yeah, we're not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know each other since back in the day, or? Yeah, yeah, for long. Yeah, I think one of the first ever exhibitions I did, going years back, I was somehow involved with a group of Japanese artists. I think it was because I was in Scroll Collective, I think, and then um, yeah, and there was a link with that and. And Pete Fowler was was part of that as well. I remember uh, John Bergman came up to me and asked me advice on how to become an Amazing. illustrator. Amazing. And it's like, look at what my advice did. Look at him now. <laughs> you know, he's doing pretty well, isn't he? <laughs> but yeah, no, I've known Pete for you know quite he a few years now. He also is a contributor to Caught by the River, isn't he? 
Yeah, he did him a little logo. Yeah, he used to do a really nice little comic strip for them, actually. Some little, little And the dudes. writer, Richard King, as well, who's worked I yeah. really love. Yeah, uh, yeah. Richard's so a, a good a Really good, good Illuminati. Like, yeah. Great group of people. Yeah, and, oh, man, they've got, you know, the, oh, I totally forgot his name. Got KLF guy, he writes... Bill Drummond. Them. Yeah, Bill Drummond. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, he's, he's one of my heroes. Yeah, he's, you know, there's some really good... Yeah, I totally f- can't think of any names. <laughs> it's not that kind of show. It's not, <laughs> we don't we don't need any names. We don't need we got, names. We got we got yourself. Could you take us through a little bit of your process when you're drawing the animals and the birds? Yeah, uh, a lot of it. Um, I, if you see my work, yeah. you know you'll yeah, yeah. see it's We've quite. It. <laughs> it's very you know it's simple, but I taught I. I kind of sometimes I'll I'll sketch, um, you know, thumbnail-y kind of sketches. But a lot of the time I just kind of like go for it and mm. just sketch very lightly on on my uh, arches watercolor paper that's very expensive and uh, nice to use. Um, and I I I'll either work from bird books or Google image basically. But I don't get a lot. You know, there's a lot of people who oh, just. To see you must have to see the birds in person in real life before you can paint. You're not a real bird artist if you haven't really spotted the birds. And, you know, and just like oh, whatever, man. You know, it's like, I've seen a lot of birds, yeah, but a yeah. lot of them I haven't. A lot of what the ones I've illustrated I haven't seen. And um, but I think it's more about just trying to get their silhouette right. I treat you know I, I see birds like like trainers. You know, you can instantly recognise like the classic silhouette yeah. of a trainer. It's the same with a bird, even like. In the differences in the species, you can get if you get that kind of silhouette right, and then just get the blocks of colours right, you've kind of you've got it, and that's kind of, and I just kind of I think especially when I'm doing the books, I just go for it and see what happens. I don't really plan stuff out too much. I think later on, recently I've been especially with like dinosaurs and the. Um, How many dinosaurs have you seen? <laughs> 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 quite a lot living in Shrewsbury <laughs> um, yeah just because they're, they're a different thing to draw you have to make them look like the work yeah, yeah. like the legs because they've got legs that do funny things and that you know you've got to make them look like they can actually walk and mm. run and eat something um, has that been quite a nice challenge then to yeah, sort of step it into a different definitely group? it's been really good to um, d- yeah to be drawing it, you know to have to get it right mm. you know and because in there's some some of them I look back at and you're like oh I should, maybe if, if I'd had more time I would have just tried to have redone that and especially with watercolours I like it because it's kind of like you have to get it right because once you've done it that's it you know yeah. you can't go back and then nudge that bit and then nudge yeah. that bit down you know it's tough feels a bit like a sport in a sense you know it's like if you muck it you have to be correct yeah you know? and uh yeah and then as long as i get the colors and everything right and then it's i do the eye at the end uh, and okay. that's usually the bit that people oh i like the eyes you know <laughs> it's the kind of my little trademarky kind of thing a nice like jewelly sparkle in the eye kind of getting the beak shape is quite important yeah that's it? all yeah it's yeah. all part of the silhouette you know because it yeah it's stubby long curved what's the know? one with the beak crosses over crossbill yeah, that's the one. That's amazing. Yeah, I don't Great know how. Trees in the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the one with the bill that crosses <laughs> over? Um, did you read Ladybird books as a child? Yes. And do you have any favourites from that time, or is there a book that you? Oh, you've already 
Well, actually, we can. Well, you know, yeah, Tunnycliffe. Yeah, he's the the dude. He's the you know he did a lot of a lot of the books, the amazing paintings and him and that. And that's like one of my entrances into um, art, especially bird art. Was the book up there? You see on Michelle sketches Tunnycliffe sketches of bird life. And my auntie used to have that, and um, I used to go up. We used to when we used to visit, I'd just go straight over and get that book out, and it's pretty gnarly. There's you know, like. Um, uh, a great uh, blackback gulls eating more hen chicks you know and like swallowing squid octopus and you know like full like yeah, yeah. and like, it's all sketchy and you'd like in in like he's the don like every line is just perfect and it's like from you know and you can just like a couple of lines here you, know, you got a barn owl you know and that was uh yeah that was like from that I was probably like, oh, yeah, like birds and like this art, you know, it was yeah, a real yeah. thing. And then, and then I had like quite a few of the books, and it was only like later in life you realise it's, oh, it's the same guy, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was one winter I always remember that winter, just a bit bleak. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. I think he might have been a war artist. I could be wrong, but I right. think he was a Second World War war artist, right. and he came back and then started doing. Because oh, really? he does whole scenes, doesn't he? Whole gardens. Yeah, and they're really like elaborate, beautiful yeah. drawings. Yeah, and um, maybe we can take some pictures, get them on. Yeah, the, please do. Yeah, get them alongside it's an amazing the, book. Yeah, my auntie got me that book. Is a kind of like there you go. Because you like There's something about stop those, those like old books when you're a kid that you have, or when you're yeah. like younger. Yeah. That they really sort of stay in your mind those oh, those completely. images. So we talked about it walking around the Natural History Museum recently, like the those really elaborate drawings of like dinosaur scenes, and yeah. you just remember them. Yeah, you know, definitely. Like when you're a kid. Yeah, I mean, and and I think there's, I think there's there's a joy to books yeah. that you you like, there's, there's something palpable about it. You know, you hold it in your hands, and you kind of there's other stuff as opposed to just mm. flicking through stuff. You know, on your phone or whatever. Um, which, yeah, I think more power to books. I agree. Right, so we previously discussed your friendship with Jeff Barrett, mm. uh, who was part of Creation Records, Heavenly, and people like Weatherall. I think he managed Andrew Weatherall, who's like a hero to me. Um, how important is music to you growing up and what did the landscape of your 20s sort of look like? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think music was like everything. I think definitely I... Uh, I think like when I was younger, like teens and so far, I'm sure, I'm sure every teen has it, but I felt very different to a lot of, people, a lot of my mates I was growing up with. Maybe not everyone, but like the big groups and stuff like that. And like music was like my escape, hundred percent. And even if it was like the kind of fantastical heavy metal that I was into, you know. But or I remember like um, being grounded one time. I was hanging out with these heavy metal lads, and I got grounded for doing something. And um, and I used to like listen to the Tommy Vance rock show okay. on radio one i think it was and i was trying to i was like so i was in, in my bedroom i like, lying on bed in a huff like trying to turn the radio in and i, I heard some like 
crazy music. I was like, what is it? Like, just, it was just like, went on, listened to all this stuff, and I taped it, and it was turned out it was to be John Peel. I didn't know, because I thought, I just, I wasn't listening to the voice, but my mum said after I was listening to it, and it turns out it was like Detroit techno. Amazing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I kind of, like, and I was always, like, on, felt like I was on, like, a quest to, like, be finding, like, just, like, like I think everyone, it's, like, those formative years in your teens just was really about hearing stuff like it was like wanted to connect with stuff and like when i went to sixth form i kind of got in with a group who were more into like indie stuff i suppose and we kind of go to gigs and then it was um i think when the uh i was starting to get into a bit more of like dance music and i'd go out in newcastle and there were certain like techno clubs so i saw weatherall I think when I was about 16, maybe 17. And and then all like the mega dogs started. And oh, pff, that just was, even though the kind of scene is like crusty things, yeah. you know, it wasn't crusty. It was like full on, yeah. full on, like amazing. And uh, yeah, and, and then that sent me down a whole road with like going out and that kind of, and then like once I got to university and then, <clears throat> and I would, I thought I was pretty knowledgeable about music, but then, you know, like new mates like um, Jimmy and mate Ben, just who were all into like hip hop and like the whole like where those samples come from, and then there was the whole like trip hop thing at the time, yeah. as well as us like going out to like techno, and it was like, like that whole time of like the early early 90s to 2000 was just like music was so much new incredible. stuff coming yeah. in yeah it was none like literally of different just feels and everything you know it was really like you listen back to it and some of it like yeah whatever but it's really imaginative and a lot of like no vocals just music yeah and yeah i got I, like moved in yeah so we like shared a house and we basically like it was like they had they had their record collections it was like oh my god this like sort of got introduced to so much and uh uh yeah and then i just kind of carried on going from there into various different kind of scenes of music but i think i've always liked quite psychedelic repetitive music <laughs> <laughs> like that noise That's outside a, <laughs> a, moped with a, a he's hanging around some nice drone going on yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we'll wait a sec <laughs> um, so. There he goes. <laughs> He's coming. <back. laughs> He's in reverse. <laughs> Incredible. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Caroline True Records and the re the things you release with them? Yeah, it's um, it's really like uh, John uh, Jack here. He uh, was a Shrewsbury resident. Um, he's now, him and his wife Daphne have moved to um, France, actually, set up a nice little spot over there for doing all kinds of nice things. Um, but, you know, he's like, yeah, a local guy who used to put on nights and stuff, and I'd DJ for him a couple of times, and he'd always be like, oh, what's this? Well, I'd be playing him music, and I'd send him stuff, and, and I, was, I was like, oh, you know, if you want me to do any sleeves, because he'd been releasing stuff for years, a lot of post-punk kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, let me do your sleeve. And then he come round and was talking about compilation and da-da-da. And I was just like, well, 
who's doing, you know, who's compiling it? He's like, you, like, sure. Who, you know, just, just couldn't get my head around it at first. You know, it was one of those things, a bit like the book in a sense, it kind of, I didn't think it would work, but it's like the, the comp went, went down really well and loads of people got into it. And the, all the releases have been quite different. Yeah. Like the, uh, what's my favorite? The, the drum talk. Right. Uh, 12 inch, it's yeah. amazing. And the compilation's quite varied, isn't it? Some of it's yeah. kind of like the new weird America Espers kind of stuff. It's, and then you've got more, some bits of sort of Balearic or ambient stuff mm. on there. Um, what, where do you do, is this music that you've sort of collected or yeah. like, with, with regards to the first compilation, where did all those artists come from? Are they up? I th- yeah, I think it's, I think it's uh, a lot of that was definitely stuff that's been there from, from time. And and it's all about that feel, you know. The just getting, I quite, I like that feel, you know, of that late night, something that's yeah. got a bit of a spiritual feel to it, even though it could just be literally like a three or three going off, yeah, slowly, you know. But it still has the same feel as a like an Indian mantra, you know. It's that I like to kind of like always been really interested in how these things fit together, and. Um, but doing this kind of work where you just sat with a computer and YouTube, you can just go down wormholes. Yeah. That, you know, when you're at home and there's other people there, whatever, you think, oh, I've got, you've got to play some music. And it, it's got to be good because people listen to it. But if you just hear by yourself, you can listen to any old shit yeah, yeah. and really dig into it as well. And like, you found so much stuff through YouTube, you know, and a lot, I know a lot of people have these days as well. And especially like, you know, it's easy, a lot of people mourn about record buying these days because it's too easy you know to just go on ebay and spend however much money on finding records but if you love music what's the problem you know um do you still buy a lot of records i do yeah 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 um uh yeah and i think it's it's a real night it feels like it's become a part of my practice now like listening to music as well as doing the art at the same time and we're going to be doing more. Going to be doing another comp. Fantastic! And those um, all those sleeves are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, we'll we'll post pictures on the on the blog. And the recent, how do you say it? Gayatri mantra. Gayatri mantra. Okay, that sleeve is beautifully intricate. A really lovely sleeve. That's very um, much. That's based on. Um, a design by oh, it's even Frank Joseph Franz or Franz oh, Joseph I can't remember which way it goes round and yeah kind of like developed it in my own in my own way it's quite is it quite digital that one or is it just yeah no yeah. I tried I did it as a um, I really wanted to to d- stop doing not stop doing watercolors but do something else basically yeah. and then uh, so I used that as an opportunity to do um, to, to do digital work. And then I did a, a children's book in a similar style, which almost killed me. <laughs> you know, it, it was really laborious. And it's quite a long way around, isn't it? Yeah. To make things. The, the whole, yeah. I, it was all hand-drawn and then hand-coloured and then I had to colour all the lines in and then I had to shade each individual tiny little bit, which just, yeah, I should have done it watercolour. <laughs> so the, the record itself is a 56-minute like mantra yeah and you've mentioned that it's uh, i think in the sleeve notes that it, it's something you should listen to in the morning to yeah. sort of start your start your day um it's kind of earthy and spiritual and you mentioned spirituality a second ago do you like do yoga or meditate or have any sort of esoteric beliefs yeah 
All of that. Okay. <laughs> and more. Yeah. No. I um. Uh, definitely through through Jess Weiss, she got me into yoga. I don't tend to do so much yoga anymore. I used to. I got on enough, but I uh, meditate twice a day. Been doing transcendental meditation like started early like this year, which I really like. I think I've tried lots of different med- meditations over the last ten years. And I usually like start well and then just trail off, you know. But with TM, it's it's really powerful. It Is works. that what um, I think David Lynch? Yeah, it's yeah. The, the yeah, it's I I um, I'm not part of that no. that, that, that <laughs> thing. No, because you, you support. I think yeah. really you pay to do it and you do yeah. it. But I my teacher lives in the Welsh Hills, <laughs> who I got introduced to by Pablo. Actually, you know yeah, Pablo, Pablo Forever Cacao, who's an amazing shaman himself. <laughs> and um, yeah, and he taught me. He said it's the best gift he was ever given. And he didn't want any money. He wants to pass it on. So you recommend it? Massively. Oh, hundred percent. You know, you just get given a mantra, and you you sit there and you repeat the mantra, and your body relaxes like that. And then when your body relaxes, your mind relaxes, and then you can go somewhere, or you might not go somewhere. You might just relax, or you might just be there thinking of your breakfast or whatever you know and that can be a bit frustrating but <clears throat> you're giving yourself that time every day can you just reduce the noise because there's a lot more noise in everyday life yeah so you can sort of i mean i need mm. something like that i think there's a lot of noise in my brain yeah no it is and like i just thought oh there's no way i'm going to be able to do 20 minutes twice a day like i've got two little kids busy i've got a dog and, uh, uh, uh. but you, you just you do you make you make it happen because it's it becomes an integral part of your day and uh, well, I hope I keep on doing it, but it's been, you know, all of this year so far. Uh, um, but yeah, I've always, I think, I always feel like I've been on this little quest, like from a kid, really into ghosts and like UFOs and all that. I like totally believe in like anything you want to say. I'm like, yep, seen it. <laughs> We're not seeing it, but you know, I like fully believe in ghosts and spirits and all that. I had many, many experiences and um, I, totally believe there's more going on than we can like sense with our absolutely little eyes little brains well big brains actually but um yeah and i'll and 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 linking it in with what you're saying with the music it's that is i feel is i can do it better through the music than i can with the artwork in a sense i've been trying to do more like spiritual artwork and stuff <clears throat> but it looks a bit new age you played out kind yeah. of a bit naff and there's a lot of stuff and you just think nah it's not quite it's, it's too many tropes with it I think yeah, that you yeah. just kind of fall into and like oh, it doesn't really work for me so I'd, I'd kind of feel like I'd rather try to express it in a in a different way I'd like to share it with people yeah, like what which am I which is what music's good for anyway exactly. isn't it for sharing yeah exactly and if you can put on something nice on the sleeve you know like the drum top one with the birds going up that's yeah, about the like the music's well, yeah elevating you you know if you're kind of give it the time and the space it lifts you you know and Nat did an amazing job with it and uh yeah and I was hope the uh, artwork did a similar thing absolutely <clears throat> like meditation and you realize that we're not this chatter we're this quite a special thing that's inside yeah. and we're all connected and and like music is a really good way of connecting it's same with birds as well i honestly feel like when i did the bird book people got rather than the artwork the text people love the text mm. 
they got it they had the same feelings they had the same observations as me and that's what made it special with people and they wanted to give it to people people would be, buy like four or five copies and give it out and like whoa you know because people got where i'm coming yeah. from and i kind of think that's like a shared consciousness Absolutely. kind of thing you know and yeah special. alan moore talks about that a lot he talks about the idea space where we all have a shared consciousness and people can reach into it and take ideas out and then yeah. sort of make things from them. I saw him talk about that. It was absolutely really? mind-blowing. Yeah. You saw him talk? I saw him talk, him and John Higgs in Port, in um, Brighton, actually, at part of the Fringe Festival. Oh, what? And wow. it was just amazing. It, read about the ideas space that he's right. talking about. And it literally is everything that we do and make kind of goes into a shared consciousness that without even knowing it, we can sort of reach into and take from... Yeah. Keith Richards talks about songs coming in the window right? and maybe it's that same kind of thing. So it's fascinating that, yeah. that you say that really. Sort of to debase the conversation slightly, you touched on ghosts a second ago and you said you've yeah. had experiences. Can you, are yeah. you happy to talk about any of those? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think of, uh, <laughs> there's some ones are too recent to go into. Don't want to frighten visitors to my house or anything <laughs> not, not this not this room no this no this room's all right uh oh, I th like i think one that was really i was probably about 18 19 in a, in a pub or pub in Wellington, and it was quite late it was a lock-in it's been about 12 or one or something like that and just but it went wasn't really pissed or anything but me and my mate playing pool and um kept losing the uh the chalk. the chalk yeah and so I just kept putting it down and just like where's it gone again and then anyway so we had it and I was like right I'm putting it up here on the bandit you know just to keep that's where it is it's just here so we know and I went to take a shot and it flew off and landed on the table <laughs> oh, just word of a lie and it was like nobody else in the pub just like some old fellas at the bar you know should have set the scene a bit better really but it was just us playing pool nobody else there really. wow. and it literally just landed on oh, the table nuts. yeah Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and and uh, and uh, one time, mate, um, my mate Al, um, you know, mysterious Al, um, painter, illustrator, amazing guy, lives in Australia now, and we had this job in Guernsey where we no, we had an ex, yeah, we did this exhibition out there, and we were stopping in the lot, this the oldest hotel in Guernsey called the Lodge, and it was where the Gestapo had their headquarters, and it fucking terrifying it was a really scary place I'm not you know it's really it was the vibe in there was yeah. terrifying and the, like the last night we were there we were, we were sleeping so badly like you know different little rooms that were like let's just stop out all night and we had a flight to catch um, and I think the flight was about like half six but we managed we got kicked out of the house these lads were in because um, they wanted to go to bed or whatever and we had to and we went back and we were literally walking back to the lodge and as we were walking towards it in that this place was like empty most of the like there's a couple of people stopping there it's great like a proper 80s shithole kind of thing and um and we we're walking there and it was like there was a party going on in one of the rooms literally like it was buzzing it was like full-on just like you hear clinking glasses and people and stuff like that and i was like in a bit of a state but it was just like oh god we've got to walk through all these people now and it's like half oh, five in the morning whatever because we had to go back and you could just hear it and then just like open the door and it's just like nobody there like literally no one we just like that oh my god and just like sprinted through it got our stuff and then and we just had to like 
I had to go in Al's room because we were both so scared. Like, just wait, wow. for our, wait for our taxi. Literally. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go from that? <laughs> but there's oh. other ones, but it's like related to houses where people live that I don't want to. I don't want to scare yeah, them. Fair enough. <laughs> Especially if they don't know. Yeah. Um, they don't believe me. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you recently went on a trip to India. Um, can you tell us a bit about this trip? Was it work or pleasure or both? Yeah, it was. It was both. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be doing my next. I'm doing another bird book, which is okay. great because I've had a couple of years off, and it's uh, an atlas of birds, basically amazing oh, wow, birds. Okay. So not like a every single bird, but you know, like different birds of the continent, like amazing birds, really. And um, I've always wanted to go to India, and it's never happened. And um, I was like doing a bit of research, and I was in uh, my lovely wife Jess has been a couple of times, and it's really really she, she talks about it so much in such a way it's always like oh man i need to go and we need to go together but it's difficult and then i said look, look these birds are in india and she's just like you should go you should just go and uh it's like right okay and i spoke to my mate tomo and he'd been planning a trip around northern india because he'd been a few years back and always wanted to go back i'm like hey how about we can go together and it, <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous trip what we did we saw so many places in such a short amount of time it it was really full on yeah but amazing um and and yeah we were like it was kind of bookended by two proper birding spots but there's so many birds and wildlife there just traveling in between like some of the journeys like we were getting like taxi journeys between uh, one between Udapur and Jodhpur and oh, it was from in the you set off at like five in the morning, half six, something like five or six in the morning, and it's just literally just like tick, tick, tick. All these right. amazing birds I wanted to see, side of the road and stuff like that, and um, yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, it, yeah, it was it was hard work, and it was really cold as well. Everyone's like, the Jess was like, and was like, oh, you won't need a coat and nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> freezing. It was freezing. Well, it wasn't freezing. But it was cold. Yeah. But yeah, it was yeah, and it was like yeah, it was totally mind mind opening. And uh I think you know, a lot of people saying, Oh, are we inspired about for your artwork and this and that and it's like I don't I was more like inspired like life wise, yeah. you know, you've like what you see and it's like have you have you been? I've not been. It's no. it's like I see that it's like a an amplifier. The place is so, like, spiritual in a sense. You you feel it, mm. and um, and everything's just magnified so much. And like, you just you see so much different kind of life, and you just like, and then you put you put your own life into perspective, and you're like, right, this is this has gone really well, and you know, don't take anything for granted, yeah. and really make the most of the opportunities, and because. So a lot of people have nothing, you know, and yeah, it was that was yeah, mind opening. It's good to totally. keep in your brain. Yeah, exactly. We always end the show with a few quick fire questions. So uh, first up is is Dan. So uh, which bird would you like to see that has evaded you 
up to this point. The the Lamagaya or Lamajaya, however you want to oh, say where, it. The where, bearded where vulture. From? Oh wow. Um North African going to um into southern Europe as well. They're terrifying. The I don't know if they just look like a horror film and they're really terrifying. And they just, just give me proper chills like mm. when you say pictures of them. And I think going back to the saying about books as a kid, I remember there was a book at school and it was like a picture of like a Heidi girl. Like you know, like in the Alps, getting mm. attacked by <laughs> a lama, wow. a lama giant, okay. and that's really stuck with me. And uh, yeah, uh, like yeah, that would that would be nice. Yeah. And there's also a painted bunting. I think is it painted bunting in America? They're beautiful. I, I like my little my little yeah, yeah. passerines. You know my little birds, and that's one of the cutest ones going. Okay. Do you think that art can change the world? Yeah, I think, you know, going back to that, it's like what I was saying, where people have this shared consciousness. I feel like if the more that I think art has a way, whether it be visual, music, written word, you know, has that opportunity to like show people that we've got more and more in common and where, you know, we're getting fiercely divided by media politics. And um, and I think that is the way. And it's really hard, you know, I don't think it's about slogans or something, this or that. I just feel like more people realise they have stuff in common that's not like what's on the outside or whatever is a fashion. Is, and I think art has that potential. Um, so what's your favourite bird song and would you mind replicating it for us? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. No well, Well, I was saying about swallows and and I remember <laughs> so you know when you're a kid and you've got an older sister you just um, I don't know if you've got older siblings or siblings at all yeah. but you know, being the younger one I was always just taking the piss the whole time and I used to think in that when I'd get my sister riled up and I would do in the in the fashion of a swallow I go ooh you're gonna take it <laughs> ooh you're gonna say and they go so I always think it's okay. you can't ooh, you can't take it. You used it as a taunt. A yeah, so basically as a weapon. I weaponized birds. Amazing. Yeah. I, I bet there's a board of uh, swallow directors <laughs> out there that are, are going to complain about that. You, you've misused their song. You've used it as a weapon. Yeah. Struck off the uh, RSPB now. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so I think that's as good a place as any to end the, the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. We've got, that's been such an amazing interview. And it's been incredible coming up here and hanging out with you in the studio. Thank you. Thanks. It's been brilliant. really enjoyed it. Come up again. I think we'll take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks very much. You've been listening to the No Ideas podcast. Today's episode was sponsored by Bison Beer. See what they're up to at bisonbeer.co.uk. Original music was by Tomino. Check out his music at tomino.co.uk. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more ideas.